Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace, and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. I've been thinking a lot recently about what it means to be successful. Okay. Because for me, in 3D, success was really narrowly measured. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like how far up effectively the temple can we get in government, finance, or religion, right? right? <laughs> or socially, you know, effectively, so socially is our religion. How much money can you make? How many people adore you? How many followers do you have? How much power do you have over others? Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything was very external, internal. So are you able to provide for your family? Are you able to do other people see you as successful? Mm-hmm. You know, it was always very much, I know I'm good enough when other people tell me so by their predefined standards of what it is to be successful. Yeah. So success in 3D was just so narrow. And then you come out of it and you're like, okay, well, what does success mean to me? <laughs> How many and people actually come out of it and ask that question though? I'm wondering. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, the first question I asked was, all right, well, I've come out of it. So that feels like the most successful thing I've ever fucking done. Right? I mean, that's like, you know, throw yourself a party because that that's pretty major. And it is, it's funny because we always kind of have that vertical view of, of success. And it is sort of that tent pole, like the farther up the ladder, if you will, the farther up the tent pole, the more successful or one you can measure your success by that, right? Yeah. So if you're going through the three tent poles, like politically, so like prime minister slash president slash, you know, if you're, you're, if you're the dictator... <laughs> Of the government temple, you're very successful. But you're probably you're an like, asshole, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people probably really hate you, and you've probably yeah. killed a lot of people, but okay. Yeah. yeah, if financially at the top of the kind of finance temple, you're looking at the billionaires, right? They're the CEOs, the, the CFOs, yeah. the COOs, the, you know, how many boards are you on, etc. yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then if you're looking at socially slash religion, it's either like, you know, the Pope is fairly successful in what he does, <laughs> but also like socially. So the people who have the most, the, the celebrities. The influencers. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in whatever way, they are the successful ones. Yeah. But in order to prove your worth, you have to prove that you're better than other people. Yeah. So like competition, which was meant to be a healthy measure of how hard we could push ourselves, basically just also became a measure of our greatest losses. Yeah. Exactly, because in 3D separation, it's in polarity and the sort of dualistic aspect, there was always going to be a winner and a loser. Yeah. And you you know that because you define people as losers. Yes. <laughs> when they don't seem successful. Oh, they hate that. But they're not a loser because they're loser in successfulness. They're a loser because they don't love themselves. Mm. And then you always lose. Yeah. If you aren't able to put yourself in the highest esteem that you can be and put that effort and that love into yourself mm. you are losing so therefore it means you are lose you are a loser but just not in the in the way that i you know we would necessarily term it because the only person you're losing is yourself it's true and but, I, I definitely would attribute that to a lack of self-respect yeah, yeah exactly because there is something and i've and i read this somewhere once and it kind of stuck with me and i wish i could uh, you know properly properly reference it i cannot but what you find attractive in someone else let's say, mm-hmm. whether it's relational in like kind of like, so whether it's romantic or whether it's aspirational, whether it's in a mental, whatever it is, mm. what you find attractive in someone else when you're not feeling good about yourself mm-hmm. is normally the things you wish you could have. Often, yeah. Or they're normally the things that you like about yourself. Mm. It's one or the other, right? Yeah. So if you meet someone who loves themselves, you're naturally attracted to them because 
they've got, you know, it's attractive to see someone who is in unconditional love. Hmm. It's attractive to see someone who has unconditional self-respect. It's attractive to see someone who's at one with themselves. It is, but it's also really scary for a lot of people to see that. And so, so, you know, it also has the opposite effect, which is that person gets kicked down a lot. Sometimes a person with that much light is the person who gets bullied. But then again, that's a measure of the person who's bullying, not the bullied. Completely, yeah. So it's kind of both sides of the same thing. But I do think that, like, as I've... And I noticed this recently, like, and I always thought it was so interesting. But I was watching some shitty show about, you know, Love Island, probably. It was Love Island, in fact. (laughs) Okay. Um, I still haven't seen a single episode. Can you believe that? You either have to watch them all or you watch none of them. There's no in-between with Love Island, I don't think. Okay. Um, But... One of the characters in it, and I say character very specifically because how much is it real and how much is it not? We don't need to go into that. (laughs) The way he reacted in a certain romantic situation, I found so attractive. I almost fell for the dude. And then later I was thinking about it. I was like, what was it that made me fall for him? And I was like, well, he exhibited things about the things that I do that I love about myself, Mm. but that I've always been told are wrong being patient, being kind, being open, being gentle, being compassionate, you know, like that's not the kind of thing we get told to do in a romantic situation, Mm -hmm. but I try and do that. So once I saw someone else do it, immediately I felt attracted to him and I was like, oh, I guess that kind of means I love myself for those things. Cool. You know? Mm. So I do think that like, there's something to be said about that. Anyway, that is a real side note to what we're talking about today. <laughs> a I little appreciate bit. that. <laughs> That's okay. I just wanted to throw it in because it just really reminds me of it. But so going back, yeah. my question then is, mm. without karma, because obviously karma is the reason, we say is the reason, that you there is this competition. Because if, if I, I only know I'm good enough if I'm better than you. No, karma right? isn't the reason for this competition. The competition itself has always existed, but karma gets in the way. Our egos get in the way, right? Because karma says, I am not good enough. So we regard competition as this this, this way in which to prove that we are good enough, right? Yeah. It's the channel by which we can throw all of our energy and say, okay, but look, I am good enough. I do yeah. matter. I have a lot of light, etc." But the moment our karma is gone, competition does remain like we seem to have this idea that once we've healed our shit in separation we're going to kind of kill off capitalism and have a fair kinder government and you know we won't need religion because you know compassion and generosity kindness will become the next thing and maybe russell brand will be our like a deity on earth but the reality is that once we're out of our karma, we will know that we are lovable. We will know that we are worthy. We will know that we are deserving. We will know that we are perfect. We will know that we will have so much light, that we are whole, and that we matter. So then we're entering our lives and our world from that state. And then we can regard competition differently, but it will continue to exist because we will always be in competition with ourselves. Because that is how we ensure our evolution. I can somehow do this better. I can somehow handle this situation better. I can see this person in a different or better light. So what is the reason? You know, there's no reason to assume, therefore, if you, you know, but there's no reason to assume that competition is a bad thing. We've only just made it bad because of all of our shit. Because the thing is, I think it's worth mentioning, it's not about 
having regrets before and getting to fix those regrets, right? Because mm. once we're out of our karma or just in general, compassion teaches us we were always doing our best at the time yeah. and it is what it is. Yeah. And that is how effectively in seasons, you know, in the previous seasons we've taught to, that's how we heal our past, right? Mm-hmm. We understand why, you know, we feel the feeling. As we've said in episodes before, it's not that we're learning through suffering. We're just seeing the suffering that was always there. Mm. So regrets, it's not about going back and being able to fix the regrets. We were doing the best we could at the time with what we had. We weren't able to take the responsibility. Mm-hmm. We weren't as expanded, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Our evolution and our growth is what has allowed us to see that mm-hmm. and has now allowed us to respond to it differently. Yeah. But again, we have to be treating ourselves with com- compassion as we go through this because differently is one thing. Better is a very subjective term and it, and it can be rooted in that kind of 3D good or bad. It's just right. doing it in a way when we maintain our peace, where we maintain our... Well, certainly when we're in our, when we're in our integrity. But we're talking about when we are already in 5D. And you notice that when we talk about 5D a lot, compassion actually doesn't factor into it because compassion is what we require to get out of 3D separation. Mm. Compassion is a given once we're in 5D. And competition is merely a concept that moves us out of our complacency. It allows us to set goals. And I'm not talking about, you know, creating vision boards and... I've seen a lot of those recently. Oh, gosh, people really do because they, you know... And I get that. We did talk about in the earlier episodes that you need to... We need to be able to imagine a new reality because it's never Mm. existed before. Mm. But imagining that reality isn't necessarily the things that you can pull off Pinterest and sort of like cobble together on your vision board. That's still not quite what we're talking about because we're really having to say you've got to think bigger. And also you've got to feel it in your bones. Exactly. When you are so wired in in your integrity, you just know. And that was that physical awareness we talked about in that previous episode. I really love that we really established those building blocks. When we look at competition in a, from a oneness perspective in 5D – We are all meant to be successful, as in we are achieving the goals that we've set for ourselves that are aligned with our purpose. Yay, we get to use the word aligned, (laughs) finally. And so that means that we don't allow others to suffer at our expense. Because success isn't about proving I'm better than you. Success is just about being who we are and constantly growing from that space. Or depriving somebody else for our own betterment. So effectively, success in 5D is twofold. Integrity... Mm -hmm. And humility. Are we conducting ourselves with the utmost integrity in every situation, interaction, trade, which is we've defined integrity before. It's mm-hmm. just very much I am. It's it's a true expression of who we are. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. And humility is in we are in oneness. We do see that we are all one. So does what we do have a negative impact on anyone or anything else? Mm-hmm. Which is effective what we've been talking a lot about with, you know, how respect is the only rule, as it were, yes. in 5D. Yeah. Because those two things are respect. Do I respect myself and do I respect other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because we've had that idea of success so wired in us in the 3D success, if you will, and climbing the ladder and, you know, conquering the tent poles, we've never really given ourselves permission to explore our potential in a much more expanded way. What's interesting is that no other generation but Gen Z has really understood and been able to begin to harness that potential because they're not bound to any of the tent poles because technically they are not bound to a karmic story. So, wait, hold on. Karmic stories are only for millennials and Gen whatever's? 
Karmic stories. I don't understand all the generation stuff. Okay. Like age wise. <laughs> Because I have teenagers, I study this like I've got it like I've got like my own ex- my scientific experiment at home. <laughs> I think only recently I found out I was a millennial and it blew my mind because I'm like, but I'm ancient. But no, apparently I'm a millennial. I think you're a zenial actually. I think you're a bridge between I... X and millennial. Because I think if you were pure millennial, I don't know how well we'd get along to be honest. And I do feel like this is an important point, so I'm going to try to clarify and you know be as just try to be as clear as possible. By the way, I also have a second question about karma. Continue. Okay. So the children being born today, and they, and it has existed, like even among millennials, you know, you guys just didn't necessarily come in with any karma, or you came in with a minimum amount of karma, right? And so your karmic themes, you know, were probably not as severe, certainly not your karmic experience in your life, certainly not as harsh as maybe older generations. Now, Gen Zers really came in without karma. Now, it's not to say some did not develop or adopt a karmic theme due to their parents' own issues. And also being in separation would have created some kind of dissonance anyway. It creates a dissonance, but it does not create karma. That's an important minor distinction. But so they're the ones, and that's why we see how, you know, how can somebody who's 14 cure this disease or come up with this kind of like, um, I don't know, experiment that then solves this problem in science or you know they make so many strides at very young ages because they know how to harness their potential because they do not exist within the 3d framework so they're already in 5d yeah okay unless they have fallen out because of their the karmic stories in which they have found themselves in because so of circumstances mm-hmm. so you're only so basically if you come in with no karma you're a 5d being which means you can what you can go back from 5d into 3d because they can no, they cannot, you cannot backslide necessarily, but what they can do is be a 5D being who is living a 3D existence, which is actually even harder to do, right? So do they have egos? Not really. So you can imagine then that if a 5D being is living a 3D life, how much more painful it is than for those of us who kind of was just sort of kind of came in 3Ds and we're like, oh, this feels all natural and somewhat normal. <laughs> okay. Right. So basically, what our work really, the karma's my bitch stuff, as in seasons one through five, mm. are about getting into 5D. But if you're younger, you don't need those seasons because you naturally are in 5D. Likely, yeah. But the information, I think, that could be relevant for the younger ones is very much about, like, could you be living in a karmic story? That is maybe not your own, but you've made it your own. Because okay. that's for certain. I see a lot of teenagers doing that. And because a lot of it is because their parents are not healed. So then my second question is earlier on you were talking about, so let's say I came in with a karmic story. Does that mean all the other... So if I, let's say, think I'm unlovable, mm-hmm. do I think I am worthy, full of light, etc., etc.? When, like, do you see what I'm saying? Is it like, yeah, is it just you, one area? Yeah, exactly. You may not think that you are. Okay, so if you come in and you think you are unlovable. And the thing is, we can think a lot of different things. It's really, what is our story telling us? What are we, what do we know about ourselves? Like, what are we so convinced about ourselves? And so that's going to be the prevailing karmic theme. The rest, so say it's unlovable and, you know, the other deserving, worthy, etc., those aren't necessarily going to factor into your thinking at all. Whether or not you are, those are just going to be like side notes. But once you come into 
healing with your karmic theme, so then mm-hmm. you know you're lovable. Yeah. Do all the other things naturally exist? They do. They do. But those weren't even impacting you to begin with. I mean, I kind of thought I was undeserving. I kind of thought I was not worthy. I kind of thought I was broken. Like, I thought some of those things. I know what you're saying, but I think what happens is that, okay, so let's see if we can put it another way. So say your karmic theme is I am unlovable and you resolve that, right? Through all the steps and, you know, you get to that, you hit those growth and evolution points that move you out of it. And then you have to wonder, you know, am I going to be plagued by other feelings of undeserving or not worthy or imperfect and stuff? And the answer would be at the very core soul level, absolutely not, because that issue does not exist for you. Now, will you be plagued with the occasional insecurity or self-doubt because you haven't, you know, while you've resolved your karmic issue, is your ego still present? Is your ego still whispering, you know, you're not good enough for this part? Maybe you don't deserve to be as successful as you think, right? And so we're always going to be needing to continue and push ourselves through that. What happens if you don't have any ego and you still have those experiences? Excellent question. Those little doubts and insecurities might be things that you turn around and ask yourself, what is it that I'm not feeling ready for? And why could people not be feeling ready for them? It could be that they've never once been able to imagine themselves in a place where they could possibly be successful. Because a lot of people don't. They really don't. They don't, as much as they say, well, I kind of had this image of myself, you know, a really successful CEO of something or, you know, I'm giving really poor examples because I don't really want to attach too many banal images. But there are a lot of people who might have had this flash of like being a celebrity and like people looking at them and stuff. But that's more of like something that comes out of FOMO than an actual legitimate imaginary, like sort of imaginary moment of like, wow, I really can hold myself in that space and see myself as that person and I feel it. Which is what we were saying earlier, like the feeling it bit. Exactly. Exactly. Because we, we live, you know, as humans, we live, we, we've been taught and we've conditioned ourselves to live in a fantasy world because it's safe and allows us to escape our really ugly realities. But we're not feeling in a fantasy world. We're just thinking. No, and we're escaping. So then how does one get themselves ready or get themselves to a place where they feel ready? Because, I mean, I, I, this is, you know, this is something I struggled with a lot before, you know. It's a step-by-step thing and leaning into the fear and those self-doubts. What am I so afraid of? Am I afraid to be seen? Am I afraid to be judged? Because not all of that's related to karma. Some of that is because of our own human conditioning that said, you're not good enough to be on this tent pole, right? So, so how can you be fearless if you still have fears? Because those aren't big fears. That's not your core fear of I'm not good enough. That's a fear of like, oh my God, am I going to get canceled? Am I, am I going to get swallowed up? Is, you know, is my mom going to be ashamed of me? You know? Yeah, I mean, you can eliminate as much of that. You can eliminate all your fears from a spiritual perspective. You could kill your ego, et cetera, but there's still a part of you that can get nervous, right? And still wonder, but we're here to do things differently. We're here to kind of kill those monkeys on our backs that kind of whisper, you know, maybe this isn't the lifetime. As we talk about in the last episode of season five, we talk about magic. It's the physical body is the last body. 
we can think it, mental body, we can feel it, emotional body, our spiritual body is in line with our purpose and the physical body actually bringing it and creating it in this world is the last one. Yes. So I remember yesterday, you know, let's say I have an example of something new coming and I can feel it. I can, you know, have flashes of really feeling like it exists. My mind can do that whilst also like freaking out in the background. And then when I realized my mind was freaking out in the background, I was like, all right, that feeling, my mind is, it's too much for my mind. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just do step by step? Can we, can we feel this? And can my mind be okay with that? Mm -hmm. And then, all right, is that too much? All right, can we feel this? And can my mind be okay with that? Mm. That step-by-step process. You know, we don't change everything in a day. We look around one day and realize, wow, everything's changed. And yes, some of us who are able to see maybe more in the future, who are able to have these snippets of flashes or whatever, might see them and just be like, oh my God, that's totally unattainable for me. But actually, we forget it's gradual. It happens naturally. Mm -hmm. And actually the point of that is so that we don't turn around in, you know, two, three, five months, years, whatever, and freak out to the point we self-destruct it. Mm -hmm. As we said, experience makes normal. So it is about building that. Like, just like these podcasts feel like sometimes like these episodes are really small building blocks. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that's, that's what life, but that's what life is. That's what real life is. That's what real healing looks like. That's what progress looks like, right? We have this idea that, you know, you go from zero to 60, you go from one to 10 on the tent pole, you know, overnight, and it doesn't work that way. And we also have this measurement of success over, you know, having to do with fame. I'm only successful if I'm at this point in the tent pole. I'm only successful if people know who I am for what I do. Again, it's that external to internal thing. Exactly. And it might be that many of us are not meant to be famous, right? We're not necessarily meant to have a gazillion followers when we probably would be a lot happier. And there's a reason why this subject matter gets touched upon when we're in 5D versus when, you know, in the previous seasons about 3D. Because the focus is actually happiness. That is a successful life is have I achieved a level of happiness for myself. If we had discussed any of this in a previous season, that would have gotten lost in our subject of happiness. Like in, you know, in talking, in our discussion about happiness, happiness is the ultimate goal at the moment for this lifetime. Well, we could say bliss really because, you know, but we're only going to get to everything after that once we really understand how to get to happiness. But also being happy means having enough. So how do we do this? So how do we get to be successful in a world in which there seem to be haves and have nots? And that's why we started to really see those past several years of like socialism started to come to the fore in terms of people talking about a a level of equality. Or even communism started to kind of become the token word getting thrown around a little bit. And this idea of like, Well, there's got to be a way to be equitable and fair, but that's not what we're here for. We are all one, but we are not the same. And therefore, what we've come here to achieve and experience will not be the same. And that will not be measured by all the things we have. It'll be measured by how far along we are in our purpose. And that purpose and how we do it is what will serve us in attaining a certain amount of abundance. Thank you. I'm just going to leave that there because... <laughs>
How, what do you mean how far along we are in our purpose? Sorry, I'm not going to leave it there, it turns out. Yeah, no, no, it's fine because that one just came out and I was like, oh, that's an interesting point we're going to have to break down a little bit. Because, Rhea, in order to really be fully engaged in your purpose, you have to ex- display a level of mastery over it. So you can imagine mastery does not come overnight. And so why then would you achieve the highest level of abundance if you are an apprentice level in your purpose? Very simple. But it doesn't mean that you can't find other means for abundance in your life. My issue Mm -hmm. with this is it makes it sound like purpose is a job and the the higher up you go in the purpose ladder, the more money you make. But it's not the higher up. It's the farther along you go. Because, you know, 3D is very vertically, uh, it's, it's set up vertically, right? There's above and below. 5D is a horizontal concept. The more expanded we are, the more expanded our whole lives and our experiences are. And so what we draw to us is expanded as well. And that is abundance. So effectively, basically all you're saying is if we, because obviously with our definition of purpose, the more we do what brings us joy, the more we engage with those who are mutually supportive and loving, that is a truly successful life. Absolutely. But some of us, I think me included, I want more than that. <laughs> Obviously, I want to be in joy. Obviously, I want to be engaging with people that, you know, the, the, the loving and supportive relationships. Obviously, I would call that successful, of course. But I feel like I want more than that. I don't want just in my life to be like that. I want everyone's lives to be like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important. And, and so this is why integrity and humility come before, those definitions come before understanding this because when we're really honest with ourselves some will say I want more than that and others will say I'm okay because Mm. to have more means I need to do xyz and I'd rather not Mm. and that's okay maybe those are the people we discussed before where contentment is enough for them it might be that they're okay coasting because they just don't have the bandwidth maybe there are family obligations that they can only they can only handle so much And it's easy to respect and have compassion for that, right? But it is normal to want more. It is human nature to want more. But the thing is, is that we have spent too much time associating wanting more with greed. Whereas wanting more is actually our evolution. Yes. Because once experience becomes normal, we want more than normal. As we've said in other episodes in this season, that is how we evolve in 5D. So as my wanting more, so the question is, and this is that humility bit, is is wanting more having a negative impact on others or Mm. not? Or maybe a positive one. Yeah, perhaps. Because we need people with wild imagination who can conceive of possibilities that maybe others cannot, and that's fine. These are not people who need to be worshipped. These are not people mm. that we need to kind of put on a pedestal and think that they're better than us. They That's are just, just they're doing what they're doing they're here for and we're doing what we're here for. They are living their they are living their purpose. And perhaps these are people that need to acquire a certain level of abundance in order to help make that happen. Mm. And those are also people who need you know, who are here to help establish vast social, institutional or geopolitical frameworks that push us beyond what others are here to do. So basically, we need to accept that we're not all here for the same thing beyond living our purpose. No, no. Absolutely. And just our purposes will be varied on the surface. As they need to be. And will be be carried out. 
And this should be carried out in a myriad of ways. Yeah. Which can make life really fun and exciting if we take a step back and stop judging other people for what they're doing. Just because it's a bit like it's planning different. a party. Yeah, it's a bit like planning a party. So someone's going to be in charge of ice. Someone's going to be in charge of cups. Someone's going to be in charge of music. Someone's going to be in charge of invitations. And at the end of the day, we and all food. Have Don't reasons. forget the food and alcohol. Oh my god, I'm so hungry right now. At the end of the day, we have we've all together created this party, and the party's fucking wicked. But actually. We all had different jobs to make that. If I went out and got cups because someone else was getting cups, we'd have way too many fucking cups. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know, and this is what we want to do. We yeah. want to have the party. We're, we're here for the party. That's a perfect metaphor. <laughs> Thank you for listening. For more information, articles, and inspiration, find us at karmasmybitch.com and at karmasmybitch.insta. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. 